Welcome! You're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Hi, I'm Mike Paul, and welcome to this podcast of articles from Ars Technica, a presentation of Airs LA. We have five articles for you today. We'll dive into Facebook's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. You'll learn all about the latest malware exploit on Android phones that can drain your bank account, how SpaceX is creating some of the world's safest rockets, and whether or not hydrogen power may be in our future. But first, the lead story. Our lead story is by Eric Berger, published on February 2nd, 2022. A deep freeze is coming to Texas, and no one knows if the power grid is ready. Nearly one year ago, the state of Texas suffered a debilitating power outage to its independent power grid amidst one of the coldest Arctic freezes in decades. During this power outage crisis, 246 people died, and homeowners and businesses suffered an estimated $200 billion in damages as pipes froze, melted, and then burst. In the aftermath of this crisis, the Republican-led legislature vowed to shore up the state's power grid. Critics, however, said the state officials only took care of the power companies at taxpayers' expense and left power-generating facilities at risk to extreme cold. Now, we may be about to find out the truth of the matter. As of Wednesday morning, an Arctic front is moving through Texas, and it will bring several days of sustained cold weather. For the next three mornings, for much of the state, temperatures will drop between 0 and 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Coastal areas, including the state's most populous city, Houston, should be a bit warmer, but nearly all of the state will see a freeze. It is important to note that this front will not be as cold as the February 2021 freeze. For example, whereas temperatures bottomed out at negative 2 degrees last year in Dallas, during the coming week... Lows there will probably only drop into the teens. So it will be quite cold, but not as cold. And also, critically, instead of lasting about five days, the cold spell will linger only three days. Even so, this is by far the coldest air mass the region has seen this winter, and it's expected to test the repairs made to the state's electricity-generating plants and the grid used to transport that electricity to homes and businesses across Texas. For the full lowdown on why Texas experienced widespread power outages a year ago, this R's story by Jay Timmer offers the goods. In short, Texas maintains its own power grid largely in isolation from those of its neighbor states. This allows it more control over power generation and transmission, but it also leaves the state isolated during power emergencies. During the winter months, Texas is generally warm and sees reduced electricity demand as customers turn off their air conditioners, power generators, and schedule needed maintenance and upgrades. The deep freeze last year, historically about a once-in-20-years weather event for the state, caught power providers off guard. Some equipment at power-generating facilities froze. These problems came as demand surged. Many residences and businesses in Texas are heated by electricity. Natural gas for power plants was also in short supply. Amidst this crisis, to prevent the electricity grid from collapsing, Managers shut off power for large swaths of the state for days. 
people froze in their homes. Others set their homes on fire accidentally by bringing grills and other equipment inside to try to heat their residences. The storm left a messy aftermath of politicking and arguing in Texas. Ultimately, the state officials said they addressed the problem during the 2021 Texas legislative session, including winterproofing electricity-generating plants. In December, at the outset of winter in the state, Governor Greg Abbott guaranteed that Texans would not lose power again. He said the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which manages the grid and is responsible for inspecting its facilities, would be proactive instead of reactive this year. About two weeks ago, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT, released its final winterization report to assess its readiness for this winter. The council's interim chief executive, Brad Jones, concluded that Texas's electric grid is more prepared for winter operations than ever before. But now that colder weather is coming to the state, Texas officials are being a little more cautious in setting expectations. During a news conference on Tuesday, Abbott admitted that some residents may lose power this week or weekend in the Lone Star State. However, he said it would not be due to grid issues, nor mean long outages due to intentional blackouts. It could be either ice on power lines that would cause a power line to go down, or it could be ice on trees that causes a tree to fall on power lines and cause the power line to go down, the governor said, according to the Houston Chronicle. That doesn't mean that there are challenges with the power grid in the state of Texas. It means that for a short period of time, a particular neighborhood may be without power. Maybe. Hopefully. That doesn't mean the next few nights in Texas won't be dark and full of terrors. Our second article is by Tim DeChant, published on February 3rd, 2022. Facebook loses users for first time ever. Market cap drops by $200 billion. If last year was bad for Meta, this year might be worse. The company's earnings call last night painted a dismal picture. Its flagship Facebook platform lost about a million daily active users last quarter, the first time that has happened. Instagram and WhatsApp may still be growing, but not by much. Last quarter, the company added just 10 million users across all its apps. Meta lost $10 billion on its Reality Labs division, which handles VR and AR, the stuff it has been betting its future on. And the company said that it expects Apple's app tracking transparency feature to slash the coming year's revenue by $10 billion, or about 10%. The market did not react kindly to the news. Meta's stock has taken a massive hit and is currently trading down around 24% below yesterday's close, wiping around $200 billion off its market cap. There was even bad news buried in the bad news. CFO Dave Weiner said that the hit from iOS's app tracking transparency feature was a best guess. We're just estimating what we think is the overall impact of the cumulative iOS changes to where the 22 revenue forecast is, he said. If you aggregate the changes that we're seeing on iOS, that's the order of magnitude. We can't be precise on this. It's an estimate. In other words, Meta, a company built on gathering and analyzing user data, 
doesn't have a good handle on how many of its iOS users have enabled ATT. What's more, because of ATT, COO Sheryl Sandberg said that Meta is having to increase the cost of certain types of ad buys, like those where the advertiser only pays if someone installs an app or makes a purchase. CEO Mark Zuckerberg also acknowledged that Meta was taking a beating from TikTok. People have a lot of choices for how they want to spend their time, and apps like TikTok are growing very quickly, he said. In the past, when faced with a tenacious new competitor, Facebook might have tried to buy it out. This time is different, though. For one, TikTok is owned by ByteDance, a Chinese company. It's highly unlikely that Chinese regulators would approve such a takeover. And even if TikTok weren't owned by a Chinese company, it's doubtful that the U.S. Federal Trade Commission or Department of Justice would sign off. After all, the FTC is currently suing Meta on antitrust grounds over its acquisitions of Instagram and WhatsApp. As a result of the TikTok threat, Zuckerberg said the company was pivoting to video again. We're in the middle of a transition on our own services towards short-form video like Reels, he said. It's clear short-form video will be an increasing part of how people consume content. Sounds familiar. Meta, nay, Facebook, has overcome similar challenges before. But that was before a year's worth of damaging revelations that tarnished the company's brand across a broad spectrum of demographics. If Meta can't rehab its reputation, or if it can't outcopy TikTok, or if the FTC antitrust suit forces it to divest Instagram, future earnings calls could be even bleaker. Meta is still incredibly profitable, having generated over $10 billion in profit last quarter alone. But the company is running into some very strong headwinds, with Apple's stance on privacy undermining its ad tracking advantage and its flagship platforms nearing the saturation point among users. Taken together, Meta is in a tight spot. It's placing a very expensive, very uncertain, and very long-range bet on becoming the Metaverse company. At the same time, its cornerstone apps are at risk of becoming legacy businesses. The third article is by Dan Gooden, published on January 26, 2022. Android malware can factory reset phones after draining bank accounts. A banking fraud trojan that has been targeting Android users for three years has been updated to create even more grief. Besides draining bank accounts, the trojan can now activate a kill switch, that performs a factory reset and wipes infected devices clean. Brada was first documented in a post from security firm Kaspersky, which reported that the Android malware had been circulating since at least January 2019. The malware spread primarily through Google Play, but also through third-party marketplaces, push notifications on compromised websites, sponsored links on Google, and messages delivered by WhatsApp or SMS. At the same time, Brata targeted people with accounts from Brazil-based banks. Now, Brata is back with a host of new capabilities, the most significant of which is the ability to perform a factory reset on infected devices to erase any trace of the malware after an unauthorized wire transfer has been attempted. 
Security firm Cleafy Labs, which first reported the kill switch, said other features recently added to Brata include GPS tracking, improved communication with control servers, the ability to continuously monitor victims' bank apps, and the ability to target the accounts of banks located in additional countries. The Trojan now works with banks located in Europe, the U.S., and Latin America. First discovered targeting Brazilian Android users in 2019 by Kaspersky, the Remote Access Trojan, or RAT, has been updated, targeting more potential victims and adding a kill switch to the mix to cover its malicious tracks, researchers from security firm Zimperium said in a post confirming Cleafy's findings. After the malware has infected and successfully conducted a wire transfer from the victim's banking app, it will force a factory reset on the victim's device. This time around, there's no evidence that the malware is being spread through Google Play or other official third-party Android stores. Instead, Brata propagates through phishing text messages disguised as banking alerts. The new capabilities are circulating in at least three variants, all of which went almost completely undetected until Cleafy first discovered them. The stealth is at least partially the result of a new downloader used to distribute the apps. Besides the kill switch, Brata now seeks permission to access the locations of infected devices. While Cleafy researchers said they didn't find any evidence in the code that Brata is using location tracking, they speculated that future versions of the malware may start availing itself of the feature. The malware has also been updated to maintain a persistent connection with the attacker's command and control server, or C2, in real time using a WebSocket. As shown in Figure 17, the WebSocket protocol is used by the C2 that sends specific commands that need to be executed on the phone, e.g. who am I, bye-bye format, screen capture, etc., Cleafy researchers wrote. As far as we know, the malware, on connection perspective, is in a waiting game most of the time until the C2 issues commands instructing the app for the next step. The new capabilities underscore the ever-evolving behavior of crimeware apps and other kinds of malware as their authors strive to increase the app's reach and the revenues they generate. Android phone users should remain wary of malicious malware by limiting the number of apps they install, ensuring apps come only from trustworthy sources, and installing security updates quickly. Our fourth article is by Eric Berger, published on February 3rd, 2022. The Falcon 9 may now be the safest rocket ever launched. SpaceX has been launching Falcon 9 rockets thick and fast as of late. With 10 launches since the beginning of December, the company has flown rockets at a rate greater than one mission a week. And another launch could happen as soon as today, shortly after noon, with a Starlink satellite launch planned from Florida. Lost amid the fury of activity are some pretty significant milestones for the Falcon 9 rocket, which made its debut a little more than a decade ago. The Falcon 9 rocket has now launched a total of 139 times. Of those, one mission failed, the launch of an International Space Station supply mission for NASA in June 2015. Not included in this launch tally is the pre-flight failure of a Falcon 9 rocket 
and its Amos 6 satellite during a static fire test in September 2016. Since the year 2020, the Falcon 9 has been the most experienced active rocket in the United States when it surpassed the Atlas V rocket in total launches. Globally, the still-flying Russian Soyuz and Proton rockets have more experience than the Falcon 9 fleet. The Soyuz, of course, remains the king of all rockets. It has more than 1,900 launches across about a dozen variants of the booster dating back to 1957, with more than 100 failures. The Falcon 9 reached a notable U.S. milestone in January, equaling and then exceeding the tally of space shuttle launches. During its more than three decades in service, NASA's space shuttle launched 135 times, with 133 successes. To put the Falcon 9's flight rate into perspective, it surpassed the larger shuttle in flights in about one-third of the time. There's no way to know how many missions the Falcon 9 will ultimately fly. At its current rate, the rocket could reach 500 flights before the end of this decade. However, SpaceX is also actively working to put its own booster out of business. The success of the company's Starship project will probably ultimately determine how long the Falcon 9 will remain a workhorse. Nevertheless, it seems likely the Falcon 9 will fly for a long time yet. That's because it now provides the only means for U.S. astronauts to get into space. And while NASA's Deep Space Orion vehicle and Boeing Starliner spacecraft should come online within the next couple of years, the Falcon 9 rocket and Crew Dragon spacecraft will very likely remain the lowest risk and lowest cost means of putting humans into orbit for at least the next decade. Speaking of safety, this is where the Falcon 9 rocket has really shown as of late. Since the Amos 6 failure during its static fire test, SpaceX has completed a record-setting number of 111 successful Falcon 9 missions in a row. It probably will be 112 after Thursday. There are only two other rockets with a string of successful flights comparable to the Falcon 9. One is the Soyuz-U variant of the Russian rocket, which launched 786 times from 1973 to 2017. The other is the American Delta II rocket, which recently retired. Eventually, the Atlas V rocket could also exceed 100 consecutive successes before its retirement later this decade. According to Wikipedia, amid its long run, the Soyuz-U rocket had a streak of 112 consecutive successful launches between July 1990 and May 1996. However, this period includes the Cosmos 2243 launch in April 1993. This mission should more properly be classified as a failure. According to noted space scientist Jonathan McDowell, the control system of the rocket failed during the final phase of the Block I turn, and the payload was auto-destructed. Taking this failure into account, the Soyuz-U had a run of 100 successful launches from 1983 to 1986. This happens to be the exact same number of consecutive successes by the Delta II rocket, originally designed and built by McConnell Douglas, and later flown by Boeing and United Launch Alliance. Overall, the Delta II rocket launched 155 times with two failures. Its final flight in 2018 was the rocket's 100th consecutive successful mission.
So the Falcon 9 has now exceeded both the Soyuz U and Delta II rockets for consecutive mission successes. And apparently, its low flight insurance costs reflect this. What seems remarkable about all of this is that the Falcon 9 amassed this safety record at the very same time SpaceX was experimenting with and demonstrating reuse. At the time of the Amos 6 failure in 2016, the company had yet to refly a single Falcon 9 first stage. Now, it has pushed some of its boosters to fly 11 flights, and SpaceX has never lost a mission on a reused first stage, even though founder Elon Musk and other officials have explicitly said they are pushing the technology to find its limits. That would seem to be a very powerful argument in favor of the safety of reusable launch. fifth and final article is by Doug Johnson, published on February 4th, 2022. New research could be the first step to hydrogen power, day and night. There's a disconnect between when people want to use electricity and when solar tends to produce it. Most often, people use power during the evening or the early morning when the sun isn't yet up. There's a mismatch between solar irradiation arriving on Earth and the time when you actually need the energy, Karsten Streb, a researcher at Elm University, told ours. Typically, the energy demand, at least in Germany, is highest in the morning and the evening. Everyone switches on their appliances. But obviously, irradiation is strongest at midday. One option to handle this mismatch is to use solar power to produce hydrogen, which can then be used at a later time. But keeping the hydrogen around for later use can be a challenge. As Streb told ours, one of the big problems we're seeing with hydrogen is the storage. In theory, you could delink the production of hydrogen with the light from the sun using solar panels to charge a battery that powers an electrolyzer when the hydrogen is needed. But that has its own issues. With every energy conservation step, you have losses. That process, while feasible, is not efficient, he said. However, Streb and a multidisciplinary team of researchers have produced a novel molecule that could be used to allow hydrogen to be made from solar energy on demand, even when it's dark. They developed a photosensitizer polyoxometallate dyad that absorbs light and stores charge and then can use that charge to produce hydrogen when triggered to do so. In short, you shine a light on the solution containing the molecule and wait for it to charge. Streb noted that the solution goes from clear to a dark, inky blue in the presence of light. When you want to trigger the hydrogen release, you just add an acid, like the sulfuric acid Streb and his team used. The hydrogen that's released can then be used for power, Streb said that previous work in this area has produced compounds that can hold electrons for short periods of time, sometimes just fractions of a second. The one he and his team made, however, can store them for hours or even days. The half-life is around 40 hours. In theory, this molecule could be used almost like a liquid fuel to produce hydrogen at any time of day for a hydrogen-powered vehicle, he said. He did note, however, that the research does not cover how to recycle the molecule. The molecule can be charged and discharged multiple times, but there is some level of degradation that occurs with it. Streb noted that this is a problem that other similar research is experiencing as well. In all fairness, it's not unexpected. 
These are light-sensitive compounds that we're using. Typically, when you shine a lot of light on them, they tend to break apart, he said. This is something we're working on right now. It's still too early to say how useful this molecule could be, however. Beyond questions about recyclability, ruthenium, an element used in the molecule, is quite expensive. All the same, the research is an interesting way around some of the technical problems that hydrogen fuel faces. Well, that brings us to the end of today's articles. To learn more about Airs LA and the types of programs we offer, follow us at facebook.com slash A-I-R-S-L-A. If you like what's there, please hit the like button. Music provided by Hot Fire. I'm Mike Paul, and I'll be back soon with more informative stories from Ars Technica. Thanks for listening.